This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. No algorithm has ever jammed out to its favorite song, dreamed of starting a band, or watched his favorite movie a hundred times, or even watched a single movie for that matter, which is why an algorithm has no business picking the films that you watch. Movie is a curated online cinema streaming exceptional films from around the globe. Each day, they introduce a new hand-picked gem, and you have one month to watch it. Whether it's a forgotten classic, a festival darling, or a groundbreaking masterpiece, every single film is hand-selected by experts. Try Mubi for free for 30 days at mubi.com slash words. That's mubi.com slash words. This is the real deal. I love this site. So happy about our partnership. So check out Mubi, please. All right, now on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less. This is Ray Harkins. I am hanging out with you on this beautiful day and uh, bringing a discussion with a person who is, uh, you know, doing the whole independent music thing. This uh, weird music scene that we all love and flock to and ebbs and flows and popularity and just just ever-changing, right? Well, yeah, that's what we're doing. And the guest this week is Marissa De Ilia from a band called Small Circle. So she, this band is extremely captivating. Like uh, this is the one of the very few times where, uh, you know, a friend of mine that does PR sends a record and, you know, I don't really have much context besides the fact that I knew uh, Cam from Sorority Noise was playing in this. And so I was like, all right, I'll check it out. I listened to it, just blown away. Upon first listen, I was like, this is awesome. So this is what I would classify under the episodes of this is a new band that you absolutely need to know so if you have made the mistake and are like you know just listening to this by accident and you're still here and be like who is this person trust me listen to this listen to their music unbelievable stuff she's got a great history in the in the context of uh the music scene in the whole you know wilkes bar pennsylvania area it's uh it's some good stuff but let's give some uh, plugs and shout outs i have to tell you about noecho.net, a great partner of us and this website. They just know what they're doing. When it comes to heavy music, when it comes to punk, hardcore, anything of the like, they're doing really in-depth interviews. I actually just read an interview with Levi Watson from Fall Silent, and that was awesome. It jogged so many memories loose about that band, and uh, it was a great interview. So yeah, that's what we got with that. And um, do I have anything else to tell you? No, just practicing for those uh, shows with Taken in December, and that's going to be quite fun. And then um, what else we got going on? Um, that's all, really. I've got, I'm going to some shows this week, seeing Touche Amore, seeing I'm actually doing two shows in one night, seeing the uh, the bros in uh, Pianos Become the Teeth, and then also seeing Moose Blood, that, ugh, I can't even talk, Moose Blood <laughs> later on that evening. And um, yeah, I'm excited about that, because all these bands I adore, not only as human beings, but I just love their music as well. And City of Caterpillar is playing with Touche Moore, and that's awesome. So fun stuff all around. And um, yeah, that's all. Here is my discussion with Marissa, and I will talk to you after the episode is over. This is, I would say that this is one of the first sort of interviews that, uh, you know, I get pitched, you know, fairly regularly from people being like, hey, would this person want to be on this show? And would you listen to this record? And for, I mean, granted, your publicist and I are, are friendly and I trust her with <laughs> the music she sends me. But sure. it was one of those things where I listened to the record and I was like, wow, this is really, not only is it really good and very cool i enjoyed myself when i was listening to the record but it it was the it struck this really interesting balance of something that there is a maturity level to the record where it's like you know it's not just done by like you know 14 15 year old kids um right <laughs> but it's that you know of <laughs> yeah true that i know of but there is a uh i mean because i I'm, I'm just pure conjecture and guessing here i'm guessing you're like early 20s is that kind of a, a rough nest? oh on the on the ball 22 okay. <laughs> so and i i i find it interesting because you know usually people that are creating this style of music it, it usually that comes out maybe a little bit 
older, like when you're a little mm-hmm. bit older. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, I mean, there's a question wrap up into this, but like, does that make sense? Where it's like this, this balance yes. of like young, <laughs> young, but at the same time, like, I don't know. It just, it, it's a hundred percent. Okay. I, I pres- <laughs> it definitely makes sense. Okay. I presume that was kind of the full intention of this project. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, I guess like, I don't know how to answer that without like diving into like everything. Um, sure. but this was so out of like the blue, like small circle was, I, I like, I can't stress enough how much it was like, Cam is one of my really close friends and he had an idea, like just some song ideas that he really liked that felt like could start another project, um, for him. And he had texted me in like the winter of 2015. and was like, do you want to be in a band? And I was like, Hmm, (laughs) he was like, I have these songs. And I like, think that you would just like, I think you would be good at it. I was like, you've never heard me sing. He was like, I think you could do it. I was like, but you've never heard me write anything. He's like, you probably have some good things to say. I was like, Cameron. And I thought he was kidding. And a couple of months later in January, he literally sent me three songs, which ended up being um, the first release of the Melatonin EP. And um, I, he was like, okay, write lyrics and we'll record this before I leave for tour in March. So it's funny that you say that because this kind of creative outlet for me was just never on my radar. Like it was never something that I ever thought that I would do. Um, and I just, yeah, I just never had the mindset. And it's funny because that, um, the, when 2016 was happening, I, I'm not a resolution person, but I was like, I really want to like find a way to release creative energy. And this kind of happened immediately after I was thinking about that. Um, so it's funny that you say that <laughs> because it just like was never a process that I was familiar with. Um, it just happened to be like a really natural extension of like things that I was feeling and what I was writing um, just on my own without the context of being in a band. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, that's really, uh, and I, no. this was actually something I was going to ask a little bit later, but it kind of plays into that perfectly yeah. <laughs> where it like the, you know, the notion that I, I saw like in, you know, all the press releases and, you know, all of the, the, the discussion about the, you know, this particular record is the fact that it's like, oh yeah, like this is, you know, Marissa's first band. She's never done this before. And like, you know, clearly that's obviously intentional and wanting to make sure. Yeah. That it's like, <laughs> but I, I find it, uh, I mean, it's, it's cool and refreshing where you, you know, not only was there no expectations for this thing to, you know, ever get anybody's, anybody's attention, but on top of it, the fact that it comes from, you know, really just a, honest place of friends making music together. And I think sometimes that gets kind of lost in a lot of the, you know, let's start a band, go on tour. And like, this is like, right. I'm sure it was furthest from your mind. Yeah, no, it totally was. And I think too, it's funny because it's not like we're just like, you know, any old like people, like any old friends starting a band. Um, obviously Cam and Adam and Charlie are in starting noise and old gray and bands that are really, um, a lot of people like and enjoy. So, there were a lot of expectations with that. And I think, you know, we're not having a very typical start as a new band. Um, and for me, it's like super out of my comfort zone, obviously, because I am just trying to like, I'm trying to have that normal experience. I'm trying to just enjoy it. And like, um, just, I don't know, like figure out how, what even happens and like what we're doing. Um, so it's been kind of like fun to clumsily fall through that process. Right. Yeah, totally. Oh, so this is like what, what band people do. Right. I I know I ask him like, I'm someone that wants to know everything. So like, it's not just, I feel like, I feel like maybe people have some like, um, ideas of like what the situation is like, but it really is as simple as like, we're all just friends and we're all just making music together. Um, but because they obviously have so much experience doing it, I'm like always asking them like, how does this work? And like, what do we do when this happens? And like, how does this work? Like, like technically like musically and then also just like with obviously all the other business end of things because that is what I've I grew up in like DIY and punk music like I was always on the other end of things like I was booking shows and um helping my friends with their labels and like so this was just I don't know what it's like to be in this position yeah no that's interesting well and this can that can dovetail into something we'll we'll talk about a little bit later but the um like you mentioned you've you've been an active part of the because you're in philly right now correct 
Um, like I work in Philly and I lived in Philly for the last four or five years, but I'm back in the suburbs for a little bit of time. Okay. Well, like the Doylestown area where we, where are we talking? Yeah, that's actually exactly where I'm from. Thanks. I'm from Doylestown. I did. The only reason I mentioned Doylestown is You because... did some research? <laughs> no, no. I just, that, that's like, uh, I, I played in bands for years and toured, uh, frequently with the band called This Day Forward, who then... You know, all, basically, it's three. Or wait, no, two fifths of Circus Survive is. It's oh yeah, some of the guys in this day forward, and then the guy that I used to play with in my band plays bass in Circa. It's it's just I've spent so much time in that area, and anytime anybody's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm in the suburbs," that's I'm like, "Oh, you're probably from Doylestown." <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I feel like I get definitely fifty fifty response from that. But if you're if you know anything, that's that, that sounds like kind of whatever. But if you know about punk music and DIY, you probably know about Doyle's Town or you've interacted with it in some way, which is so hilarious to me because to like it's where I grew up, so I don't think of it that way. Right. But so many people do know it by like name. It's cool. Well, I, and I think too, it's interesting because the that entire sort of music scene that you know came up from the areas that surround philly was oh yeah you know was completely indicative of that area as far as like yeah you know like it's the suburbs like that's the sort of music that's why you guys you know i say you guys like this collective you know (laughs) 15 year span of music or whatever yeah has all been able to come about because you know that was just what was happening in the suburbs as opposed to, you know, what was happening at the, you know, the TLA or whatever. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so were you like born and raised in the Philly area or where did you come up? Yeah. So I was born and raised in, um, Doylestown, well, specifically Shelfont, which is just up the road about five minutes, but, um, for all intents and purposes, Doylestown and, yeah, just lived there. My entire, my parents are still in the house I grew up in. Like I've, I've lived there my whole life. Um, it was amazing. Like I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky because I like where I'm from. I'm sure there are plenty of people from Doylestown that hate it. Um, but I love it. I still love it now. Um, and part of that had to do with like, I'm sure the music scene contributed to that, but it's also, as you know, cause you've been there. Um, it's just an awesome little town. It kind of reminds me of Gilmore Girls, um, Stars Hollow, Stars if you're familiar. Hollow, of course. <laughs> and um, I kind of got there were a few ways that I got involved um, in the punk scene because of Doylestown. One of them was the Moose Lodge, if you're familiar, the infamous um, Moose Lodge where like Bouncing Composure used to play in the Wonder Years and like all of the bands that had their start in the suburbs um, started there. And then also Siren Records, which is like my, oh my God, like my second home. Um, And that's actually where I started booking shows. So I was living this double life as a normal suburban teenager, but also (laughs) trying so desperately to like, to get into that world because it, it was just crazy to me. I was always a fan of music. And once I, um, went to my first show in the area, I like couldn't get enough. I like wanted to be involved and like help in any way that I could because, um, the music that I had been listening to, which was like Paramore and like metalcore, like under oath and mm-hmm. things of that nature, like were so inaccessible to me. Um, like I, I could only ask my parents to take me to like Allentown and Philadelphia so many times to like, go to shows. So I just kind of like latched on to what was immediately around me and tried to become a part of it. Like as much as I could. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 no, I love that. I love that story because I think it's like, no, no matter what quote unquote generation you come from, um, whether it's, you know, people that didn't have the internet versus people that do have the internet, like all these delineations, you know, like there's so many differences of how people access music, but I, I think if you boil it down to the simplest of terms on why people such as yourself get involved is because you feel that connective tissue. And that's like, that's exactly, mm-hmm. what, you know, that's exactly why people in the, you know, eighties in New York city and the lower East side got into it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the context in which you were raised or how ex- exactly you got into the music. If you get that feeling of like, I, wow, I don't want to do anything else, but like, yeah, like you said, you know, <laughs> go to shows and book shows and like be involved Oh yeah. I was like, so me and my friend Brian had, um, 
he, he had like started a record label in high school called Fall and Feel Records. And um, he was like, do you want to like, be a part of this? I was like, for sure. I was so, I was like, so into it. My, I told my parents about it. They like thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, they think everything I do is the coolest thing in the world. So that, that was definitely biased. But um, we like had this little label and we had, we had bands signed to it. Like we worked with a band called Bombay and um Massachusetts and like some other Massachusetts pop punk bands um and it just was awesome like did we ever end up doing anything no but it it felt so good to like feel like I was contributing and in like many ways I was and that opened um ended up opening a lot of doors for me because I met so many people through booking shows for like the local people that we worked with Mm -hmm. um and it was just, yeah, like craziness. Right, right. But so how, like how, I mean, how did you kind of make the transition from, you know, getting, well, I guess, you know, I mean, even though bands like Paramore and Under Oath were, you know, <laughs> are huge, I mean, you know, they're huge, like, you know, quote unquote, everybody knows them. It's that, yeah. you know, that's still like Under Oath is, you know, one level below Paramore as far as like accessibility. Sure. Um, so like how, you know, was it just like, <laughs> was it just like friends showing you? Did you have older brothers or sisters showing you? So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, um, I sigh because I just had this conversation with someone where I was like, I, one of my favorite, one of my favorite bands still is, um, Iron Cheek. And I, whenever I like talk to people about that, they're always like, oh, so like you love Latterman and you love like, uh, Lifetime. And I was like, I didn't grow up around people that listen to cool music like that. Like everything I found, I kind of stumbled into. So like Under Oath and Paramore were because of my older sister, but even then she like, she liked the hits, let's say. And I would like listen to what she was listening to, like through the wall and I would find it and put it on my iPod and ask her to like download it for me. Um, and then because of that, this is like so funny to think about it now, but like a couple of doors down is one of my best friends, Mitch, who, um, his parents are musicians and he's a musician. And, um, we kind of uh, used to not get along and then became really close friends through middle school and high school. And he is the one that introduced me to like the metalcore side of things. So like when I, when we were on the bus and we were talking about under oath, he was like, well, have you listened to the devil wears Prada and like all of these like warped tour bands. And um, he kind of became my ally in all of that. Um, And he lives two doors down from me. So we were always hanging out and like, um, talking about music and stuff. So he like got me into that world of things. And that's when I really started to go to shows when I was like 14 or 15. And then, um, my like entree into local like punk music was actually through Mitch too. He had like somehow found balancing composure on like MySpace or something. And we went to their like acoustic show for one of their first DPs. Mm -hmm. And, after I went there, I was like, Oh my God, like this, I love this. Like, this is so cool. And that started this like tangent of me being able to find my own music and like knowing where to look for it because I didn't have like my parents listened to journey and Frank Sinatra. Like I wasn't coming from the like storybook, like my dad was a punk and like my mom like was interested in this. And like, they always put on this like really obscure, cool eighties band. Like that never happened for me. Um, so I kind of, it, it was really like friends, like it was friends and word of mouth and going to show is like the old fashioned way. Like I would go to a show, I would get there when the first band started and I would stay until the last band played. And that's also probably the biggest way that I found music, um, growing up in what sometimes felt like a drought of like not finding enough or things that I liked. Yeah, um, sure, sure. <laughs> no, which I- is fine. Because I totally grew up in, like, internet age, but that was kind of... There were shows happening every weekend. Like, no exaggeration. Like, two minutes up the road from me, there was the Shelfont Methodist Church. That's where, like, Tiger Shaw and Bounce Composure had their record release. And, like, Mother of Mercy played there. And, like, that's where, like, the hardcore kids had their shows. But right. it was a punk place, too. Like, it was just... You, you If you weren't paying attention, then I guess you wouldn't have found it, but it was so accessible. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> I just li- I like that, too, because the... Um, there no matter what you know generationally speaking as well there's all these you know completely unconventional venues like you know so many churches and vfw halls yeah you know really were such foundational aspects to so many you know suburb shows and like the you know these these people who are you know just renting out these halls like have no idea how much 
their you know three hundred dollar hall rental fee has like irrevocably changed so many people's lives. <laughs> like I just think oh about, my god, it's so true. Yeah, like that you know that Methodist church, like they have no idea that you know yourself and everybody else that like went to shows like has some sort of uh not not only connection to that space but then the connection to the fact that you know music existed in there and it's just like it's so wild i think about that all the time it's so funny that you said that like anytime that i went to i guess like now as um it's funny to say adult i don't feel like i'm an adult but as like an older person than i was then um i look back at the people that allowed us to have shows and it's like insane like that was a church it was a working operating methodist church i think that um it was a connection to like a boy scout leader who was like uh, a parishioner there which is how we like that was the end but it, it it's funny like that like we literally claimed like every vfw and like community space within like 200 miles to put on shows and that was like the cool part about being in doylestown too is i was i'm two hours away from wilkes-barre and scranton an hour from philly an hour from the valley so like there were like in each pocket each city had a different like scene a different like prominent genre if you will, like that claimed those areas. So it's like, if I wanted to see like a folk punk show, you would go to Bethlehem. If you wanted to see a punk show, you'd go to Philly. If you wanted to see a hardcore show, you'd go to Wilkes-Barre. Like it was like crazy. Like it was such a crazy time to grow up in, um, end up in so many funny places that I just never would have been at otherwise. <laughs> right. Right. And so you, you mentioned you have an older sister or is it just two of you in the house? As far as um, I'm the middle child. Okay. Uh, I have an older sister. Uh, she's 26. She's a pastry chef, and um, I have a younger sister who is 16, and she's going to be a doctor probably. She's a 4.0 varsity soccer player student. Um, yeah, we were we're all very different. Right. <laughs> very different interests. <laughs> and how uh, mom and dad in the house? Mom and dad are in the house. Um, my mother is an elementary school teacher. Uh, she actually switched careers. She used to be a business uh, business gal and then switched when my little sister was born so she could um, hang out with us in the summer. And then my dad does sales for a landscaping company, but he's always worked in landscaping. He's like a very outdoorsy person. Um, and they're amazing. My parents are like my favorite people, like not in a nerdy way, you know, in a cool way. They're like the best people I know. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, even when you have, uh, you know, all, all of your siblings, you know, you guys are going on your own paths. Like that's, yeah. you know, in certain respects, I'm sure it's, you know, overwhelming for parents to kind of uh, reckon with that. But at the same time, it's also exciting because, you know, that's, that's really your only job as a parent is to like, make sure whatever right. your kid's getting into, uh, as long as it's, you know, reasonable, like, you know, if the, if the story <laughs> oh, yeah, happened. we were growing up and coming of age. My house is very funny. Like my parents, um, definitely they weren't like, we couldn't do whatever we wanted, but it was like came in waves. So like my oldest sister definitely pushed the limits and was the one that made us have rules. And then, um, I was, I wasn't like a sweet talker, but I learned from her that when you lie, you can't do anything. So I told my parents, like, maybe too much. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to a show in the city. I'm going with this person. This is where I'm staying. And, like, this is where I'll be at. And that was cool with them. Like, they, um, maybe, I, I won't say it was cool with them, but they accepted it. Like, they were just like, well, you're going to do it anyway. We'd rather you tell us. Um, and so it was funny because I just, like, had all of these obscure interests that they were very nervous about. But because I was so close with them and, like, let them know what I was doing. It was cool. Um, and then my youngest sister, there's just like, it's just chaos. <laughs> she's 16 and she's growing up in 2017. It's terrifying. Like I thought I grew up with the internet and it's like, so beyond my understanding. Right. Yeah. How, how much stuff has changed, uh, you know, since, since you were a digital native and then now it's like, sure. oh my, yeah, it is, it is, it is crazy. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so that like, you, I mean, as you were getting, you know, more involved and, you know, starting to develop your own identity, um, 
you know, you, you strike me as an outgoing person, but you know, were, yeah. <laughs> were, were you always kind of that way? Was it easy for you to start to like, you know, I guess mix it up with all of these people that, you know, some were, you know, much older than you when you started to go to shows? Um, like yes and no. I, so the first show I went to in Philly was probably in 2011, I want to say. And, um, I was there with someone that I was really close friends with at the time who I believe was like, I was like 17 and she was probably like 19. And, um, so we were definitely like, that seems like not an age difference, but being in high school and not being in high school makes that gap a lot bigger. Um, so I was kind of just like always tagging along with her and she was so soft-spoken and shy and I hated, like I was shy too, but I hated being in a room full of people and not talking to anyone. It like, that gave me more anxiety. So anytime like someone would go up and like talk to her, um, I would try to like jump in and introduce myself because I didn't want to, like, if she was going to be quiet the whole time, I at least wanted to like make some friends in the process. Um, so it, but it was so hard because you're right. Like I was, I mean, when I first went to a show, I was 16 probably in the city and these are all like kids that are in college. So I felt like inherently uncool and I mostly kept to myself and I didn't, I didn't drink in high school. Like I wasn't interested in like the party aspect of things and so much of the Philly scene, um, was a party. Like a show was a party. There was no difference between the two. Like if you were going to a show, like people were going to be drinking, like it was going to be crazy. Like I had always expected that to happen. Um, and I didn't really have an interest in that. I just really was genuinely going to like meet people and, um, see music. So it definitely took me some time, um, to just like muster up the courage to be an outgoing person in those situations. But once I did it, it was totally fine. And then of course you walk into a room and it's a bunch of people, you know, now, so it's kind of a lot less like I need to put on some kind of like, I don't know, like front for these people. Like it became like, they're just my friends now. And that was like a really cool turning point. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. It, it, it is weird too, when you, uh, you know, start to, uh, just basically interact with people that are, you know, even just two or three years older than you, you feel like they're so much older. Like you feel, oh my God, yeah. but you're, <laughs> but you're not like, you know, in your head, you're not actively processing it. Like, Oh my gosh, they're so much older than me. But then it's like, you know, once you hit a certain age, you're like, Oh, like I'm 25 and that person is like 28. Like it's only three years difference, but it felt like so far. Oh yeah. And now that I'm like at the age, I'm, I guess I'm like older than those kids were when I met them and there's like younger kids coming into the scene. I totally get that now. Like I, they do feel so young and it's no slight at them. It's that I'm not saying that in a mean way. It's just like, it is like such an age gap. And, um, the way that like, that has been probably the coolest part is like being in it for so long. I mean, it's been like seven or six years that I have been involved in like, the punk community in some way and seeing it change has been like the wildest experience. Um, especially in relation to like the age of kids coming in and how like shows are happening now. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so like you mentioned, you really wanted to, you know, become involved as far as booking shows, you know, basically helping out in any capacity, Um, did you, uh, I guess, did you have a vision for a future within the context of like, I guess the, the business side of music or was that something that, you know, you were obviously just doing it because you enjoyed it? Um, I, I, it was mostly just because I enjoyed it. Like I, like, yes and no. Like when I was in middle school and high school and I was like starting to think about college and like what I wanted to do, I like, I, I was factoring in the music industry in a more formal way into those thoughts but I had always wanted to work in fashion and when it came time to like actually going to college I realized that that was definitely um like more what I wanted to do career-wise um which was great because then I could just enjoy what was happening with like music like when I was booking shows originally it was definitely um to like meet people and like be able to um like try to turn that into something. And when I realized that it would be a lot like when I just realized that my priorities were elsewhere, I just started to enjoy it in a different way. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, you I, to- I gave up on the dream. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I, I think it's one of those things where you, 
you know, you start your uh, other interests start to infiltrate your head in regards to, you know, whatever, if it's some other creative outlet or the fact that you're like, oh man, I'm really into, you know, Excel sheets or whatever. You never know where (laughs) your interests are pulling you. Um, And so then that way, you know, you, you basically just... I wouldn't say compartmentalize it, but you just look at it where it's like, oh yeah, like music can always be my thing. It doesn't need to be, you know, like my career sustaining thing. Right. And when I was, um, like I go to Drexel in Philly and when I was deciding what I wanted to do, obviously, um, like I could have, I could have been more specific, but I'm just, I just chose marketing and that was always the common denominators. I always wanted to be in marketing. I always wanted to work, um, and like telling stories and working on that end of things. So I figured if it's meant to be with working and like the music business, it will happen. But I didn't feel the need to like concentrate on that in school. Like I, I kind of have this, um, opinion, not opinion, but like just belief that a lot of what I would want to do in the music industry, I could learn just by doing it. Like I did not need to go to college to like learn how to do that. Um, and that's just like something that I believe for myself. I know other people like um, like to go into those programs. And I think that's totally cool. But for me, I just like, I didn't want to limit myself by that. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's insane too how robust those sort of programs have become because oh my God. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the context in which most of these, you know, music classes were offered at most, you know, even like really reputable, you know, Ivy league schools, whatever, 10 to 15 years ago, if not a little bit longer they you know they were a joke they were teaching like sheet music and it's like i i what i don't i'm not want to learn about sheet the business of sheet music like i'm booking right. shows or whatever you know it's like and now it's even more like drexel has one of the best programs in the country for that by whatever metrics they use to decide that um and i did look at the program because it's super hard to get into and i have friends that have graduated from it and they have like mixed feelings about it but it really is like what you would expect, like half of its business classes. And like, I would say that probably the most valuable part of it that you could do without doing music business is like the business law classes and like how to protect yourself and things that are above like the level of DIY. Like, I guess like to answer your question, I was never trying to be like a music exec. Like I didn't want that world. Like I just wanted to like really work in what I was already doing. Like I just wanted to keep booking DIY shows and like, like being around those kinds of people. So I didn't see myself like doing that on a professional level because that meant I would be leaving all that behind. And therefore like, why would I get a degree? You know, yeah. <laughs> it was just like silly to think about it. Right. Right. Just see, yeah. For well, me, right. everyone has different goals. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Everyone has like different goals. But like for me, I, I didn't think that I needed a degree to excel in DIY. So I didn't do it. <laughs> that seems like it defeats the purpose well no i mean but i i think to your point it's like not everybody has the the same sort of uh introductory to 100 yeah music so it's like some people they just like music but they've never experienced you know stuff on the level of what we're talking about so you know they like practically look at the fact like hey i would love to work in the music business i'm gonna take college courses like it, it makes sense on the you know basic level but yeah for people that have you know more like you said you know you're not looking to be a, a you know a business mogul within the no. so <laughs> that wasn't my that wasn't part of my story so <laughs> right right um and so but and like you mentioned you know the the notion of like playing in a band and that aspect never seemed to uh, hit you at all um like was that just based off of uh the idea that you're like well i i don't like I, i'm not musically talented i can't sing like what i you know what was uh, i guess well, what, what was preventing you from uh, i guess entertaining that idea i will say that i was first chair clarinet in eighth grade Ooh, so that's good. that's good i was a little musically inclined <laughs> um um, I did, I did play music actually growing up. I did play clarinet, which I feel like when you say that it sounds fake, like, okay, well you didn't actually play music. Like I was trained as a musician. Yeah. Um, and I had a phenomenal, um, band teacher who was so great that I had no interest in continuing with it in high school after he, um, was not going to be my band teacher. Um, but so I did, I wasn't like a total stranger to playing music. I just didn't, I try, I bought myself a guitar so we'll start there. I bought myself an acoustic guitar. I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to play. And then like, whatever happens, happens. But, um, 
this just in it's really hard to teach yourself guitar <laughs> and <laughs> i was so discouraged i was like oh i like taught myself the beginning of one song and i would play it all the time what's, and i'd be like i'm song? amazing yeah what song i can't tell you that information <laughs> <laughs> i decline okay. to answer that i plead the fifth but um i just like i was I was so confident about like, it was so simple, but I was like, I can't do this. Like I felt like my, I started making excuses. I was like, my hands are too small. And like, I, it's just like, I don't have time and I'm in school. So a couple of years after I had bought that, after it collected dust for all of that time, I was working in New York when I was a freshman for nine months and I had no money. So I sold it. So that dream died very fast. Um, so I didn't see, I was like, I gave up on the playing an instrument part pretty quickly, um, which is not indicative at all of my self-motivation and work ethic, but it just wasn't working for me. Um, so I was like, well, I can't play an instrument. And again, like, I was like, I don't sing like outside of the car in the shower. So, um, I'm just never going to be in a band. Like that was it. That was the thought process. (laughs) It was like, I couldn't. Like, I didn't know anything about melodies and, like, how, like, I I totally wrote, like, in my personal time. Like, I've always had journals and, like, have always been a words person. Um, But, again, like, just, I I was like, who would even ask me? I don't do any, you know what I mean? It was just, like, that, it was just always a mute point. Right, right, right. It's like this, this, I'm not even going to entertain this because it's not like I'm going to be able to, like, get everybody else to, you know... (laughs) Start, start a band that I don't really even know musically what we'd sound like. Cause I don't write the music. Like, so yeah, it's right. I, I just knew nothing about that. Hey, excuse me for a minute, but I have to tell you more about movie and you heard me talk about it at the very, very beginning of the episode, but this thing is unbelievable. So go to movie.com slash words, and I will give you a free 30 day trial of this amazing service. And why is it amazing? So we're crippled by choice these days. We've got so many things coming at us from, you know, new movies to music to whatever. And sometimes you just need a person or a service to be able to dial it in for you, curate your experience and tell you like, Hey, this, because you know, you, you like this stuff, you will probably like this stuff. And in the best way possible, not using some ridiculous algorithm. So they are a curated online cinema streaming exceptional films from around the globe. And each and every day they introduce a new film to you, whether it's like this completely awesome handpicked gem or a festival darling or an absolute masterpiece that you may not have revisited in a long time. And like I said, it's all hand-selected by experts, so they know what they're doing. I recently watched an old David Cronenberg movie, you know, the guy Scanners, and it's the movie's called Rabid, and I never knew it existed. It came out like in the late 70s. Such an incredible movie. And then I was also able to recently watch this movie called The Driller Killer, which I had heard of, but I had never watched again. And that's what's cool about this, is they are picking movies that you may have heard about or you may have heard something positive about but you're just like oh, I don't I don't know where to stream this I don't know where to find this these are movies that are you know maybe bubbling underneath the radar that uh, you just would have no other way to watch it so please I can't tell you and stress this to you enough that movie is amazing it's changed my life in a very positive way so go to movie.com slash words and you will get a free 30-day trial if you love movies you absolutely will love this service so movie.com slash words enjoy your life and enjoy movies now on with the episode kind of on that same notion the idea that uh you know i'm sure there were um and i'm not asking this to embarrass you in any capacity but the you know, <laughs> no, like, <go> ahead. <laughs> the, the um you know when, when you're booking shows and like you know you're kind of doing the the behind the scenes stuff you know you make some pretty horrible mistakes you know when because you have no idea what you're doing you know whether it's like you know absolutely yeah i mean do you, walk, walk me through you know do you want me to recall you a time yeah that would be that'd be fun because i always find oh those I, I always find those interesting but then they're also reflective and you know sometimes you don't like i'll i'll, I'll share i'll share mine first just so that way you don't feel no go ahead so the, <laughs> what, this was something where it was like you know i was playing a chain reaction here in southern california oh my, and so uh you know my, my band played there many times we you know had uh, you know, a person who booked us there that, you know, we trusted. Anyways, it was one of those things. He was paying us, uh, you know, at the end of the night, it was you know, whatever, 300 bucks, something like that. But I took the envelope from his hand and then just like turned around and started to walk out. And he was like, Ray, what are you doing? 
was like, what? Like, you paid me. He's like, you always count the money in front of the promoter. I was like, oh, because he's like, dude, the minute you leave this room and you're like, oh, wow, there's $280. Like, all the promoter says is just like, no, I paid you. And you're like, it's your word against his. And then you're just kind of like, oh, yeah. So I was like, at that point, I'm like, wow, I'm a dumb child. I should have thought of that. But anyways, so that's a sort of learning that you do but i'm sure you have a fun story oh yeah 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 um so one uh fallen feel records the now iconically known um punk record label that i had um with my friend brian had our friends in a band that was then called goodnight moon um and i was tasked with booking them some dates in the area and there was a very successful one they actually played like a show with modern baseball, which is really funny at a very poorly attended, um, show in Bethlehem at the secret art space. There was probably like 10 people there, which is funny to look back on now. Mm -hmm. But, um, in that same very well planned run was a day in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Now just picture me like not knowing geography at all, even though I've lived in Pennsylvania my whole life and being like, we could totally do Altoona in a night, like no problem. Um, And the guys were like, are you sure? And it was with a a band called Sparks the Rescue, which I don't know if you know who they are, but... Sparklights the Rescue? Or wait. No, Sparks the Rescue. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's a band called Sparklights the Friction. Anyways, yeah. Continue. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Not them. This was like, they were, maybe if they were in Philly, they would play at like, I don't know, like, uh, like a small, probably like a three to... 500 cap like place like they were not anything to write home about but they were pretty popular in the early 2000s and um i got an email i forget if i got an email or i emailed them but i heard from this like booking collective in altoona which was real and the kid that was that started that um like toured with like the wonder years i think like he was like a like real person it wasn't fake but his mom ran it while he was away which was so wholesome but they're like yeah like come out tune and like book the show and it was just there's no like big punchline it was just so embarrassing that i made these boys drive four hours each way to this show that like two people went to and like i set up all the merch and i was like trying to be really legitimate about it and i am the type of person that is like so self-conscious about if people are having a good time and like enjoying what they're doing and i was so worried that they were like oh my god marissa is the worst person in the world like i cannot believe she booked this show in the middle of nowhere um i actually think about this all the time it's funny that you brought it up i was thinking about it the other day in the car because the guys in that band are still friends they're still friends of mine too and they play um Ben, who was like the main person in that band, uh, just graduated from NYU and does a lot of music stuff in New York. I'm like, I wonder if he ever remembers that time I like sabotaged him and booked that show in like rural Pennsylvania. Um, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. It was just so embarrassing. Like I was so embarrassed. I was like with, and imagine me, I'm like 16 years old. I'm with all these like 17, 18 year old boys. Like I just was like, Oh, like I'm so not cool. Like this sucks. But, um, yeah. That might be the the worst. No, that's which, good. That's good. Which is not so bad. It was just embarrassing. No, no. But you, I mean, you run into that all the time when it's like people are trying their hardest. You know, it's like when you're booking shows Absolutely. and doing that sort of stuff. Like, you know, they're like, I, I totally remember, and I, I shouldn't even have to remember. It's like I played a show in like Lubbock, Texas, and like this. You know, she she was like maybe 16 years old like she put on the show and it was one of those things where it was like you know there was nobody there like she was you know uh, like paying money out of her pocket and it was one of those things where you're just like oh i i hope that you do this better next time and i i mean i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna take the you know 75 dollars out of your pocket or whatever but like yeah everybody is trying their hardest and as long as you you know actually are trying i mean you can see the people that aren't (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. It was super humbling. I was like, okay, so booking shows is not as easy as everyone makes it seem. And not that anyone's making it seem easy to me. It's just like at that time when I was booking shows at Siren Records in Doylestown, like kids came out to shows. Like there was a lot, like we were the majority, like people who were in my age group who wanted to go see like punk shows, like came out in numbers. So it, I feel like part of it was like they sold it to me as this like great show like we got an advance and like there was a guarantee and I mean it was like 
gas money, but it, it seemed so like it was going to be like this banger. And the whole time I'm like, Altoona, like where is Altoona? It was a mistake, <laughs> but it was fun. It was funny to like look back on now, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so you mentioned that you're, you're going to Drexel currently, correct? Yeah. And what are you senior and your study? Oh, senior. Wow. You're going to, you're going to graduate soon. Congratulations. It's all over. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're getting a marketing degree. You said, yeah. So I, um, major in marketing, I minor in retail and I'm getting a certificate in brand and reputation management. Oh, nice. Yeah. You got the, yeah. you got the, I have to say it all cause I'm paying a lot of money to do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got the uh, the big words in there that'll take you take you far in uh, large cities around the around the world. <laughs> right? It makes me sound really like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, the uh, something specifically about you know uh, the 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 music that you're making now is the and this was something that was kind of described in the press release, but you know I'm trying I'm going to try to uh, vocalize it even more and kind of drill down on this idea, but. You know, the two there's two worlds that uh, exist within music, um, not only from a genre perspective, but like you know, usually what happens if people are going on their usual sort of you know quote unquote standard trajectory of like listening to music, where it's like, yeah, you maybe are into like quote unquote terrible pop punk or hardcore or whatever when you're younger, and then yeah, your tastes evolve a little bit, and you you know listen to more sort of adult-like stuff. And then, you know, once you reach a certain age, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to listen to this terrible music or whatever. Um, yes. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I personally like that, you know, I still like so much of the stuff that I liked when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. I mean, even the quote-unquote embarrassing stuff because, you know, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. It was good for you at one time. But yeah, the point being that I think the... the the people that do adhere to that trajectory, you know, uh, that end up playing in bands when they're in their whatever mid twenties and are just like, Oh, I never liked that emo bullshit or whatever, you know, that, that, you know, <laughs> I that, know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's like the, the music that is contained, you know, within the, within the small circle record, it's like this, this total like meeting of these two worlds where it's like, yeah, you have, you know, influences like, you know, beach house and that sort of stuff. But then you have the, you know, sort of, you know, emo indie sensibility that exists in, mm-hmm. you know, basement shows across, you know, the, the world for that matter. Um, like, do you, uh, do you see that sort of like uh, contradiction in terms where it's like, you know, Oh, the, these two worlds shouldn't meet musically. Like, you know, I, I just, yeah. Find, oh, totally. Okay. And I, I'm guessing that, that you guys are deliberately trying to push up against that because of, you know, just the fact that you were able to create this sort of music. Yeah, I um, I just feel like it's funny because I feel like every when I first heard what um, Adam and Cam and Charlie had written for this record, like musically, um, at first I was like, does this make sense together? Like I'm someone when I listen to an album, I'm a front to back girl. Like I don't put on shuffle. Like I I rarely listen to music on shuffle. Like anyway, like when I listen to music, I listen to an album or a full EP. Like I don't jump around um so when I had listened to it I was like I don't really see this and I was kind of thinking the same thing that you're describing like I feel like one of these songs is like in this genre and another one is in this one and this one is kind of both of those things and um once we finished it and I've obviously listened to it a few times since then through um I really get down with that um I think that it's cool because it's a first album, technically speaking, maybe not for, um, the other people in the band, but for us as a band, it is our first like go at this. And I think that we definitely took a lot of, a lot more Liberty on this than on melatonin. Um, and looking back at my initial like nervousness about it, I totally get it. But hearing it now, I do feel like, it kind of can appeal to different people coming from different genres. Like there's definitely like, um, the one song ritual, uh, the demo name for that was the national because it sounded like a national song to me. And, um, it sounds, (laughs) it sounds so different from like, we belong here. Like the song that we brought over from that we, um, redid for melatonin. So, I don't know. I, I, it was confusing to me at first and I felt the same way. I was like, how are people going to receive this? But looking back on it, I really like that. And I think that it gives us a lot of Liberty moving forward, like with where we want to go with things. Um, and that's kind of a big relief. Like that doesn't intimidate me. I'm excited, um, to like springboard off of it. 
Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I, I like that too because I, I there's nothing that really just bums me out more when it's like like I said, you know, people. It's like you you reach this this mythical marker in your life where all of a sudden you're supposed to like turn your back on the things that have laid the foundation of what your music taste is now. And it's like, dude, like, I don't care. Like no one's cool from birth. It's like, you, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta start. Oh my God. From, yeah. It's like, you have, to I'm literally that person. I probably yell about this all the time. Like I am just like, I love under Earth still. I love every under Earth record. They're one of my favorite bands ever. Like I still love Paramore. I still like, I just can't imagine feeling like, and, and part of that is like you said, like growing up in the punk scene, or in any kind of like subculture scene. So there's like that group of people that's like, you listen to that. And I'm like, I think that's so boring. (laughs) Like, I think it's more boring to be a person who thinks that they exclusively listen to like cool music than it is to be someone that just like listens to what you like. Like, um, I don't know. I still, and I'm the same as you. Like I, I, nothing is guilty pleasure because I still listen to everything I've always listened to with the exception of like a couple of bands. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that. I just think it's a more, um, it's a more honest place. And I, I think that, I mean, a lot of those tropes have been peeling away over time, but you know, yeah, I, I think so too. I, 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 I just, I would like it to go away completely, but you know, maybe we'll never end up there, but yeah, <laughs> um, that's true. <laughs> the last two things I wanted to hit on was the, um, you know, the notion that like once you started to, you know, become more ingrained in your local music scene and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I know this is going to sound like a kind of a cliched question, but you know, I, I'm always actively interested in the perspective of, you know, like females in music where it's like mm-hmm. you noticing the fact that it's like, Oh wow, there's a ton of dudes here. Or like, you know, did that, <laughs> did that stuff start to, um, you know, like you, I'm sure at one point you kind of recognized it and then I'm sure you just kind of filed it away and it was like, Oh, okay. Like that's, you know, I guess that's just the way things are. Um, you know, like how, I guess, how did that, like, did that bother you initially or did did you just kind of like, like I said, filed away in your brain? Um, you know, and how, and I guess you can kind of answer the second part of the question too, where it's like the, a lot of people will pay attention to a band exclusively because they have a female, you know, fronted, a female vocalist like there's a female yeah man. um so yeah i guess kind of what i mean those are two separate things but you know kind of walk me through your you know your perspective of when you started to notice the uh I, I guess imbalance that i'm sure exists in you know many scenes as far as just you know either dude yeah. centric or whatever yeah so i i came of age in a really weird time um when people were start to, starting to have those conversations in the scene. Um, I definitely was exposed to more of that when I was like going to shows in Bethlehem than when I was in Philly, because again, like Philly was so much of a party like scene and those kids were like, the music was amazing. Um, but it was so much, it was a lot. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily hearing like that language when I was going to shows there, but yeah, I came up in a really weird time where I wasn't, around people that were having those conversations. So it just kind of, I never thought of it as abnormal, um, to just go to a show where all like straight white men were playing. Like that was not crazy to me. Like I, I probably never thought about it until later on. Um, like even I would say like in the last, you know, few years when I moved to the city and I started becoming more involved, like when I was in high school, I was in high school. Um, so there was, I I don't know if there was ever like a light bulb moment that I had where I was like, um, this is like really just like one kind of person like playing music and booking shows. Like, I think that as the population of queer and femme people grew in Philly, like we all kind of found each other and we're like, wait a second. Like, I don't want to keep going to shows that are like just this kind of person or like, this is all that's happening. And I always like, um, think it's funny when people are like, well then like start a band or like start booking shows. Like if you wanted to change and like, we did that, like so many people, um, in Philly did take it, like take that to heart and started booking. Um, Rachel Dispenza from coping skills, like comes to mind, like they do a killer job, like have always done a killer job at putting on shows. Um, and there are a lot of like younger people too that are doing it. And it, it took so much time for us to get to that point though. Like we, there was a lot of pushback, um, 
not necessarily on purpose, but just from like ignorance, like people not understanding what the issue was, if that makes sense. Um, and that was like really like contentious too. Like, well, you know, it's not that hard to like these bands exist and these people are here and they want to be involved. So let them be involved. And, you know, for a while it was just men booking shows. So they were booking the shows that they wanted to see. And then there was always like the, well, we're only going to book like good bands. And like, if it's not a good band, we won't book it, which basically was just like, if it's not a good band with a like woman or like insert marginalized group here like we're not going to include them and they kind of used that excuse and that was like very lame that was like wait a second women make amazing music (laughs) like queer people make amazing music and there there are people that want to be represented here um uh so it was you know it was kind of like a gradual realization um and you know you have to keep in mind too like this area is all transplants like this is philadelphia is a college city like it just is so you have like predominantly white like a predominantly white scene and um a lot of times predominantly men that like go into the power roles in the scene so there has been like i would say like in the last year i've seen a lot of that change um it's obviously not perfect and like you said like every scene is different um but you know as bands like Hopalong and Mannequin Pussy and Coping Skills and Shannon Moser and just like these are literally 0.001% of women that play music in Philadelphia. But as they started to gain popularity, it started to be talked about more, which sucks. Like it sucks that it couldn't have like been taken care of sooner. Um, so that was kind of like as a person just watching music and being a part of the scene as just like a bystander. That's kind of what I saw. And I, I definitely tried to like, even though I wasn't, I didn't really book shows in Philly. I was trying to be a part of that conversation. Um, and lift the voices of people who felt like they were, um, like not being heard. So it's funny that you say that. Cause we did like Philly for the last few years has been going through like a big, like some growing pains for sure. Um, as a result of, everyone becoming more educated or trying to become more educated on how to do that. Um, and a lot of good things have come from that. Um, but as far as like playing music is concerned, like it's funny that you said, um, like how being, um, a a woman or not a dude in a band is like this like tokenizing thing because I've been like experiencing almost the opposite. Um, the with small circle it's more so i'm playing music now with people that are really well known within like their music spheres and i feel like almost kind of pushed to the side in some ways when those like conversations are being had which um is kind of like the opposite of what you were saying but but like same side like different side of the same coin um no, so I, that has like, I, been interesting. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I didn't think about it from that perspective of the idea that, you know, because you have, you know, no, uh, quote unquote, visible music pedigree, it's like, you know, everybody else that you play with comes from, you know, they, good or bad, people have a expectation and a reputation on like, oh yeah, like they either like sorority noise or they're just like, oh, that band sucks. I'm not going to listen to yeah. them because, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, no, that, that's very, um, I mean, that's cool because then you could just exist, um, as a band as opposed to, yeah, just being, I mean, and, yeah. to, and to be fair like that, you know, the notion of, you know, a tokenizing of, you know, a woman being a band that is, you know, I mean, that's been happening obviously for many, many, oh, many years, yeah. but hell is oldest time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. It is. Yeah. But I mean, it, it definitely is just too, but I see it happen to my friends. Like you're like, you're totally, I mean, hitting, obviously, like you said, it's been happening forever. So it's not like a hot take, but like it, it is, you know, because I have so many friends that play music. Um, I see the way that they're written about and I see the way that like people talk about them. It's like, you could write the best album and you could like get like, you know, such great feedback from your peers and still someone's just going to focus on like one stupid like thing or like, um, a lot of times I see like my friends, um, who identify as women being like painted as these like things that they're not to fit what like this, like, I don't know, like you, like the, um, I forget what the trope is in movies. Um, but just like this, like you, like, 
beyond being when it's just like they're just great musicians like you can like end the sentence there like um it always has to be like prefaced with something or like there has to be a qualifier there um right and for me it's like been the it's been like Cam Boucher and this, that, and Adams and Charlie, members of Supergroup. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> right. And then this, this random girl. <laughs> Wait, no, it's like, you're making a joke, but it's true. <laughs> it's like, totally. and, and Philadelphia citizen, Marissa D'Elia. I'm like, it's funny. Like, and I think it's funny. Like it is, I mean, does it bother me sometimes? Sure. I think it, it bothers me when it seems like Cam is like the only person that writes the music in the band. Like, I guess that like gets me sometimes. Um, but they're like, I, it, it never bugs me for too long because they're my favorite people and they're my closest friends. And like, uh, all three of like Adam, Charlie and Cam are my favorite musicians. So I'm like, they do deserve that. And at the same time, you know, as we, are out there more and as we're um you know as i'm having the opportunity to speak about like the music that we're making i know that will change um but i'm lucky and i'm it's not a it's not every no one not everyone has a platform to like have control over what is said about them in that way um and you're right like because no one really knows who i am in the you know arena of making music uh that gives me some like room to decide how like I want to be seen and perceived like to some extent obviously a lot of that is left up to the people that are writing about it but um yeah that's like I I feel like I can't possibly say everything I would want to say or highlight all the people I'd want to that have done a much better job at um like advocating and talking about that issue as much but um you know it's definitely something that it still happens like I feel like the thing in like now is to be like, I can't believe this still happens in like 2017. Like, yes, of course it does. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, and you know, there's so many other things at the forefront too. like, you know, just so many people that are underrepresented people of color in the punk scene in Philadelphia, um, are hugely, you know, underrepresented and ignored a lot of times. And, you know, there are so many like intersections, um, with those things that I think that, you know, a lot of people are trying to be conscious of and don't know how to do it. So it's an interesting time to be a part of punk music, especially still being in DIY and like seeing how we grow from here. Um, it's just craziness. (laughs) I'm sure you remember it as craziness too. I can only imagine what it was like, you know, as this was all coming to be and seeing where it's at now, I can't imagine like that perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. it, it, just the fact that it, it's we're having discussions about it is a meaningful thing, you know, because bef- before it was just accepted, um, you know, because I, whatever, I'm 36 and it's not like, um, you know, that, you know, I was in like the 80s going to punk shows and it's just like these are these are things that have been taken for granted uh, as far as the notion of it being, you know, a total you know sausage party white guys like that that's <laughs> yeah. the only th- and then it's like oh yeah like that you know not only is music better when you have different perspectives but it's like everybody is just much more uh cognizant of everyone else's experience as a whole when you obviously have all of these oh voices, voices coming to the table and so yeah i just think i mean it's it's progressing I mean, it, it, honestly, it's like the, the independent music is usually just kind of a microcosm of the world in general. And yeah. it kind of, I think independent music is able to, you know, react quicker because it's, you know, clearly not as big as a cultural shift if things are changing sure. from the bottom up. And, you know, that's that's how cool it is now versus how it was, you know, whatever, 10 years ago is like, it's, you know, it's, it's moving and yeah, it's, you know, slower than anyone would, would like, but at the same time it's moving at a rapid pace compared to yeah. the culture as a, as a whole, you know? And I think what you said about perspectives is really the point. Like I, maybe I started becoming cognizant of all of that when I started feeling like I was listening to music I couldn't relate to. And I think that that caused a really big push within our scene too, for like, people that weren't meant to make music. Um, and that has helped a lot. Um, I have friends that I don't know if you know the band Soglo that are talking about really important things within the realm of race and gender. And, um, more of that is happening now. And I have this conversation with the owner of Siren all the time. Um, 
he his name is Blair and he comes from like the 80s hardcore punk scene he's like Marissa where are all the where's all the politics like where are all the political bands anymore he's like always wanting to book these like crazy like like just like crazy shows at the shop um but like a political show and I'm like Blair like I feel you like there's you know we're at this like weird time right now where I feel like a lot of the issues that people thought weren't issues, which obviously always happen, are coming to the forefront again. And um, people are responding to that in the ways that they know how to. And um, it's it's very crazy to watch happen um, and super important. Um, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as there's conscious thought put into it, <clears throat> the advances will continue to happen. Yeah, it's cool, though. It's definitely cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Marissa, hopefully you felt good about <laughs> your your first interview and uh, well, yeah. long form interview. So yeah, I sure. I really I hope I was an okay guest. <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were spectacular. Thank you for uh, wanting to hang out. Yeah, thank you. And that was Marissa, and that was my convo. I hope you enjoyed it. I did as well. Not only in it, but then also listening back to it as I was editing it. I was like, hey, that was a really really nice chat. So, um, yeah, next week we have one of just my favorite people of all time, Dave Walker. He sang for a band called Harvest and Season of Fire, and he also had a ton of other projects like Krakatoa. And um, Dave and I became fast friends and just a real intimate bond. And uh, just even when I say his name, I'm just like, oh, makes me feel all the warm and fuzzies inside. So can't wait to bring that to you next week because uh we we get emotional there's uh there's little, there's little tears that are shed in the middle of the episode and uh, i got goosebumps and we were just talking over the computer and he was at work just like just awesome so that was that and um yeah i'll talk to you uh, next week thanks everybody bye oh and also please big big shout out to Mubi for sponsoring the show go to movie.com slash words that's movie.com slash words and you will be able to watch just incredible films okay so do that all right now for real be safe everybody you've been listening to the jabberjaw podcast network jabberjawmedia.com Shh.